You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Cuts to the outside. Saquon Barkley across midfield. Down the sideline. Stayed in bounds. And Barkley takes it all the way. 68 yards for his first NFL touchdown. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. It's finally here, Grump. It's draft week. You know, we're sitting around doing nothing for weeks and weeks, and, you know, we talk about the draft for weeks and weeks, but it just seems like we've been talking about it now for months and months, and we're finally going to have some sports to watch on Thursday, so never been so happy to see a bunch of people on a Zoom uh broadcast before so i mean does this really qualify as sports i mean sure okay i mean i mean it's it, it's may not be competition but i mean it's you know talking about something because right now for the last six weeks we've really talked about no new news you know even all this talk about the draft for the last you know two months has really been no new news has happened out of anything now this week and we're, we're talking about in a minute some you know, updates on potential trades and maneuvering, but nothing has really changed. You know, people go up and down on people's boards and, you know, yeah, 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 but nothing's happened. So at least this is something in the sports world of happening. And I think that alone is just enough to get, you know, people excited. I know I've never, I've never done a draft uh, pool before. I'm doing one on Thursday. So just, just excited. Just, just excited just to, have competition, whatever that might be. You are you are so bored that you have gone into the draft pool level of entertainment this year. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, I mean, so as as the draft approaches, we've gotten so much new news. Um, I guess we should start by talking about the draft itself. So we covered a couple of weeks ago the first ever virtual NFL draft and how that complicates things, and it's. it's it's already a fucking mess. Um, I mean, I know that come draft night, I'm, I would say 95% certain that it's going to appear to go fine from a viewer's perspective. There might, there might be stories later of like some kind of mess that kind of happened on draft night due to it being virtual. But I think that this is pretty much going to go without a hitch. But in the meantime, there was just an amateur hour, um, level performance for a, a a test run mock draft uh was that today or yesterday i think it was yesterday monday um where you know we have 32 gms on one zoom meeting or skype meeting or teams meeting or something and none of them are on mute and they're all talking to each other um, we had bandwidth issues between coaches and assistants and the gm and scouts uh and there's this nonstop, like, dick measurement contest going on with how many monitors a GM can take a picture of and post on Twitter um, to show how prepared they are. It, it's, it just is a very strange series of events that I could not have predicted other than just it being a mess. I mean, I, I just saw a report that this the Seahawks were tearing – literally had a crew in there tearing walls down – to in the house to get the 
internet to run properly and running wires downstairs. Like, it, it's, it, it, you know, I had to take Advil. Yeah, but you know something? It's, I think it's, hearing these stories are, a lot of people can relate to that because everybody who has had to go from working in an office or a work location to their home is having these same problems. You know, they're trying to get, understand how to have virtual meetings. Everybody has been in a meeting where that one guy is not on mute. Oh my Everybody God. has the one guy where I can't see all the faces at once. I mean, I've had this, I've been on uh, Zoom, like five or six Zoom meetings with my parents and every meeting starts off for 30 minutes. How do I see everybody? Right, but I think, I think that I the fan expectation is that a billion dollar industry is not like a Zoom meeting with your parents. That's true, but it's also a billion dollar industry that is not prepared for this, as no one really is. Right. I mean, this is still, you know, it's not like you can all of a sudden hire a bunch of, you know, 100 consultants to implement an IT project to do this. You know, it's everybody is kind of locked down. Yeah. So, and again, I think it's going to be, there'll be glitches. You know, everything is glitchy, but to be honest, you know, all the stuff we're watching on TV now, whether it's, you know, CNN or Fox or watching John Oliver or watching any of these shows, they're all remote. And really, most of these shows are going off pretty much without a hitch. I mean, there's some little things, but it's, it's pretty impressive how relatively smooth it's been. Now, having these little things about, well, I have seven monitors, I have eight, that's just, I think that's a little silly, but I think it's intended to be a little silly too. Um, but, you know, if, you got to remember too that you know you, these are war rooms. Normally, you have a, you see the pictures. You know the Cowboys have the room with Jerry Jones and fifteen people in there. Well, those fifteen people still have to communicate with each other, so they just got to figure it out. And you know something, they'll figure it out. And you know the worst thing that can happen probably be you know you, you find a way to hack a conference call between. Well, that would that would absolutely be the worst possible scenario. And it's possible. I mean, again, we're not uh, – the functionality is not there to make this the most secure lines. You know, this isn't uh, the war room at the White House. So it's a possibility that may happen. But you know, let's keep it in perspective, guys. This is a draft right. for sports. This isn't uh, – we're not getting bin Laden here. So <laughs> something like that does happen, it will kind of be – it will be embarrassing and kind of suck. But you know, something – life will go on. Yeah. We're we're all doing the best we can, and I, I'm pretty sure that everything is going to go without a hitch. Uh, um, I think you're also going to see a production by ESPN, which is better than you think it's going to be too. Like they're going to have all the highlight packages, they're going to have, you know, all the fancy graphics as well. It's just going to be maybe a little clunky how they're throwing from host to commissioner to wherever. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it might feel a little disconnected with the way that it's presented, where it seems like people are on very obviously in different rooms it's hard to fix that but I, I i agree with you they've had plenty of time to plan this to make it continue to produce revenue um the for the stations i mean this is the way it's been um if you're watching you know there's been these telethons and stuff like these you know they, they bounce from uh performer's house to performer's house to performer's house and you know you know we're all used to it at this point now so i'm not really worrying about it you know, it's not going to bother me the way it's broadcast. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, like I said, in this world, we have to live with all this now. Yeah. Um, 
I did think it was interesting. Um, a Twitter user, Jay Paraselli, um, actually found that years ago when Dave Gettleman was GM of the Carolina Panthers, he actually did conduct a draft remotely via Skype because his son was graduating from college in Massachusetts. So as far as I know, he's the only GM who has already done this. I mean, obviously, he's connected to a war room where everybody is in the same room. But it's kind of funny how basically everyone in the media, Giants organization or not, has made fun of the picture of Dave Gettleman sitting in front of one laptop with a gigantic binder full of stuff. Um, And yet he's the one who had a successful draft already remotely. Yeah, well, I mean, Gettleman is just a punching bag. You know, people... People don't like him or just find it again, and the media is, you know, they're going to crack on him as well. So, again, it doesn't really mean a whole heck of nothing. You know, if, have a good draft. You know, get the guy you want. Make, make a make some deals and stuff, and no one's ever going to remember any of this stuff. It's going to be if, you know, the, the, the first headline would be made if he picked somebody that people weren't expecting, and then obviously you know, if that pick returns into a bust. But, uh People's perceptions. People, pe- people's perceptions two days before the draft would be a lot different than how it is two days after the draft. Yeah. I, I, again, it, it doesn't matter because the the instant reaction is never going to be a correct reaction anyway, whether it's happy or sad. Um, you know, you just don't know how a pick is going to pan out. I'm sure there were fans wetting themselves when you know the Chargers got Ryan Leaf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we know how that ended. He's like an alcoholic now, or something. <laughs> um, I I just I do think it's funny, and I think in a certain extent he likes to play into that. Um, I almost think that that was like a staged picture. I I just I don't know why I just do. I th- I think he thinks it's kind of funny. Could be. Could be. Um. But we're also getting, you know, as things are now ramping up, we're we're hearing a lot of news break pretty quickly here. Um, it seems like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers acquiring Tom Brady has had an effect on, you know, they're able to wheel and deal as they've now traded their fourth round pick for, uh, yeah, for the rights to Rob Gronkowski, who is coming out of retirement now, and uh, seventh-round pick. And um, I find that kind of interesting, how Tampa Bay is choosing now to make a quick run. It's I, I don't know. I think it's crazy. I mean, you know, getting Brady's one thing, but Gronkowski's been out of the league for a year and also can't stay healthy, mm-hmm. even when he was. Uh, and giving up assets for it, too. I, you know... I, I don't understand. This seems like a very – like their window is very small for this to all work. And giving up you know, draft assets for the future I, I think is pretty crazy too. So, hey, if they want to do it, you know, be my guest. <laughs> yeah, and, and so there's been other rumors as well that uh, as of this recording that Miami is trying to trade up to number three at this point um, which no matter what way you slice it is good for the Giants Um, if 
Yeah, I mean, you have to assume that they're trying to trade up to three to get a quarterback. And while that might mean that the Giants can't trade down, it does mean that prospects continue to fall, and it also makes their pick more valuable. Um, it doesn't make it more valuable than two. Nothing, nothing could, but, um, but again, if it makes pick two more valuable, which it does, as somebody else tries to trade up to get the quarterback of their choice, probably Los Angeles Chargers, right? I would assume. Um, that now means that the prospect of getting Chase Young has increased, who we both agree is probably the best non-quarterback prospect in this draft, right? I would say so, yes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, th- it's been it's been how long now? A month and a half, two months of solitary confinement and, and no real news and just speculation. And it's been a little nauseating, but this week it's actual... Some some things some you know the earth is moving beneath us. Yeah, well, um, I guess that, and also the news about the Giants supposedly been scouting Justin Herbert pretty quick, closely, pretty completely, yeah, completely. So you can take that, you know, one of two ways. One, they are doing that, you know, as a potential to draft and trade, or potentially to draft and hold. Uh, you know, it's not the first time ever we've seen, you know, a high draft pick as a quarterback in the next year, another quarterback be taken. But usually that involves some sort of regime change, whether it's a new GM, a new head coach, a new owner, you know, who knows? So that would be pretty unusual. Uh, I just think, you know, doing your due diligence on everybody makes complete sense. I mean, it's possible the Giants may be looking at trading down and, you know, he him being there at you know nine or ten and and, and then still drafting him lower and trading him. we don't we don't know so it's very easy to make you know assumptions and conclusions based on news that may or may not even be true but you know don't jump to all of a sudden Gettleman's an idiot why did he waste a pick on uh, you know last year and blah 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 so well I mean. I'll, I'll say this smoke. much. It could be a yeah. smoke screen too. It could be bullshit. Here, here's where where I'm at with this. Um, I think that Dave Gettleman always has his scouts scout everybody 100% completely. I think that they had already had a really good profile on Herbert from last year before he declared that he would return to school. So I don't think there was a whole lot they needed to add to have a very good profile on him. I think that the news coming from Ian Rappaport and and Adam Shep, like ESPN, like non-local reporters, is where you can kind of see that it's smoke. This didn't leak out. This was deliberately put out there, in my opinion. These guys, they do have phones that work like that, but for for I don't know for for leaked news like that, where they have some sort of insider who knows how complete a profile is on a player and stuff like that. That's very strange to be coming from them. They're not usually as tapped into things like that with the Giants organization. That's true. So I I think that this is probably smoke. Um, I think that, but I do think that they legitimately have a complete profile on the player, and I think they have a complete profile on every player. I think that he came in here knowing uh, Gettleman came to this organization knowing that he would have to spend several drafts, really, really, really digging into every 
player he could to make this team better because it was just such a bad roster that it was going to be years of fixing through the draft for young talent. And I think that that was just sort of how he's approaching this draft anyway. Yeah, and I mean, you know, each NFL team has a whole roster of scouts. They have a, um, a head scout, play, director of player personnel, pro personnel, college personnel. You know, and it's it's a it's a twelve month a year thing. They're scouting all off season. They're scouting, you know, orange and blue games. They're scouting everything. They're following tape. They're so they're constantly adding to files to players, you know, who are available. And everybody's available until they are drafted and signed to another team. Like, you never know. I mean, maybe in some, you know, there might be a situation where Daniel Jones gets traded, where somebody loves him and wants to make a deal. I mean, nobody's untouchable on this roster. Nobody. It's true. You know, if you don't think that's not true, tell me that you didn't think that, you know, 16 months ago that Odell Beckham wouldn't be traded. Or that Josh Rosen would be traded a year after he's drafted. Right. Well, that's the situation I was mentioning before where, you know, you had a new uh, head coach and a new GM. So, you know, they wanted to start fresh with someone new. But, you know, you never know. I mean, part of a rebuild is not only just drafting new guys, but it's recycling your roster, turning it over multiple times, any type of combination possible. So I think it just makes sense that you, you do your due diligence and you're right. Some things appear in the press more than others, and it's usually deliberate. Nobody hacked into their plans and just saw Herbert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, the other thing that's really interesting is uh, there's been hints that Gettleman has actual interest in drafting Derek Brown. Um, I don't know that it really – uh, so I think it was Jordan Rainon. So somebody said that Derek Brown has a real chance of going in the top five and screwing up every mock, and Jordan Rainon jumped in on that and said that there's a there's actually a chance that Dave Gettleman would take him for the Giants. And you know what's interesting about that is you know we were kind of obligated to do our episode on defensive linemen, and we discussed at length Derek Brown and if there's any merit for taking him, and. Um, that episode, I mean, the moment I put it up probably had the most interactions on Twitter. Most of the time people just, you know, a good episode, you know, they whatever. They ignore our show. <laughs> yeah. Or that, yeah. But this one was immediately like didn't listen to the show but just laughed at the prospect of doing that. And here it is possible. I mean, it's not a move I would do but I can understand that move. I can, I can understand that you have two guys whose contracts are expiring on the defensive line and that – this is a guy who invests in both the defensive and offensive line, and that means every year, every other year, getting more young talent in there on those long, cheap rookie contracts. Well, there's, um, there's, there's two points to it. Number one, Brown is better than anybody on the on the on the roster right now. We have on the defensive line, probably. And number two, that doesn't mean we're going to be taking him at four. I mean, it's potential if we do, you know, trade down. Well, the, to, the implication is that Derek Brown is going in the top five. Well, that's, well, that's what they were assuming. But my, yeah. I read that and I looked at it as that looks like a plan where if we trade down to seven or eight or nine or ten, mm. and that's the highest guy on his board. So I didn't automatically assume. Well, he's going to go up to four and, and and take him. I I looked at it as that's a play in case we do, we trade down. Right, and and you know what, you have to whenever you trade down, you have to plan for if the guy you're hoping is there isn't there. 
you know, what are your other options? How do you rank your board? I mean, ultimately, the board ranks everybody, whether you really are going to consider a quarterback or not. You rank that quarterback, just so you know, in case you are the Green Bay Packers with Brett Favre on your roster and you're picking at whatever they were, 28th or something like that, and you know, and Aaron Rodgers is still on the board, you know how important it is for you to just pull the trigger and take him. Hey, for some crazy reason, Joe Burrow drops to four. You're taking him. Yeah. I mean, I mean just because you draft a quarterback or you sign a – I mean, we've seen it with free agents. You know, uh, a quarterback is, uh, is signed for a free agent. Never sees the field. It was Bring Seattle. Him. They they signed Matt, Matt Flynn. Flynn. Matt Flynn. Yeah, and then Russell Wilson's taken in the third, and I don't think Matt Flynn even saw a snap. Right, but they spent some pretty significant money on him as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it, a, a a draft pick, a free agent signing is like a Polaroid picture, and it's a snapshot in time. That doesn't mean you're married to that person for their entire career. Situations change. Well, I mean, Giants fans should be familiar with Patrick Omame. You know, shoot ahead about a month, and Will Hernandez is on the board. You take him. Now, that means that you move Patrick Omame to right guard, where he's not as good, but it's okay, because you can just cut him. You can always move, make moves. You know, you're always trying to improve your roster. You don't pass on Will Hernandez because you already handed out a contract to this other guy. And for the record, that contract was set to have an easy cutout date after one year, even though it was a four-year deal. So he was cut midseason because he was performing so badly, but it was still designed to be able to be flexible in that scenario anyway. So that wasn't just you know uh, a move made because he was awful. And also, as we go into this, don't think that this draft is already ruined because we of the, of the uh, Leonard Russell trade. And we lost one draft pick out of it. The, the Williams? Okay. Yeah. No. Leonard Williams. I mean, I know some people are still thinking that's the worst trade in the history of history because we basically gave up a third round pick. Well, I mean, again, <laughs> don't 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 even that that feeds into Derek Brown again. I mean, there's nothing saying that you don't just rescind the tag offer. Yeah. He hasn't signed it. Yeah. So you know, if if you're swapping out um, a, a franchise tag for what 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 is it, sixteen million dollars for Leonard Williams for a four to five year contract for a guy like Derek Brown, even if you lost a draft pick trying to get Leonard Williams and you don't end up keeping him, you still have improved your roster. It's a third round pick. Yeah, I mean it's it's not you know, it's not something to throw away on nothing, but there was. You know, it was like a negotiate. It was a it's a pivot next, point. It's not it's not setting the course of the franchise for the next decade. Yeah, it, it it's certainly not as devastating as drafting Eric Flowers ninth. I'll say it that way. Of course, right. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about Thursday, Grump. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're gonna break this down to two things: what we think the Giants should do, and what we think the Giants will do. I will give you the floor for what should the Giants do Thursday. So, um, in my opinion, at four, um, they're in a unique spot where we could be seeing, and I said this like a month ago, that it's not out of the realm of possibility that a guy like Chase Young happens to fall to them as people move up to get quarterbacks. There are quarterback-needy teams not drafting in you know the top four. And there are teams that have their quarterback of the future, they think, 
drafting at two. You know, uh, so it's it's not insane to think that that happens. So they should be not making a trade until it is something that is worth it. In my opinion, they so for for people saying trade back no matter what, that's asinine. Do not trade away your pick just because you think that an offensive tackle is the guy you need to get and you can get him later. You know, get him at the right price. Um, that said, I think it might be ideal to to move back a little bit and acquire some picks. This is a bad team. And I mean, we could debate the merits and the pitfalls of going offense or defense, offense or defense. The fact is that this this team has holes on both sides. So the more picks you're able to get, the more you're able to address those concerns through the draft, which is the way you want to do it. So if they get a good enough offer, moving backwards is a very, very wise move here. And from what I understand, for all the talk that I've heard for years now that Gettleman has never traded back and he'll never trade back because he never trades back, he's actually trying very hard. It's, it's been leaked already that he's fielding offers. We're seeing this Justin Herbert story kind of leak out there. seems a little awkward and weird. Um, I do think that there is an attempt being made right now for him to move back a couple of spots and let, um, you know, a bunch of still really good prospects fall to him while acquiring more picks. So that's definitely something they should do, but I don't think that they should just give it up at the first offer. You know, this is something that they should take very seriously. That said, if they're picking at four and Chase Young is not on the board, I am 100% behind the idea of taking Isaiah Simmons. I get it. This team needs a jack-of-all-trades kind of defensive player like that. But the fact of the matter is, your franchise right now is Daniel Jones and it's Saquon Barkley. And you will never win games if your offense can't score points. I know that it's it's very difficult to win when your defense is giving up 30 points a game. But you'll never, ever, ever have a shot if you can't even put up 13 points a game. And the way you do that is by protecting the guys that you have invested in because you believe in their talent. Those are two guys that were really important. Um, It was really important to take Barkley at two. I mean, you really have to believe in his ability to turn around a franchise to take him over a quarterback. And I know that they believe that. And it was really important for them to take Daniel Jones because they truly believed in him. You know, they believed in him over Dwayne Haskins when the rest of the analytics world didn't. Um, and, I, you know, not just the Twitter GMs, the Mel Kuypers of the world and such. Uh, so those are the guys you believe in. Then you need to put investments into protecting those guys. Nothing is worse than what the Colts did to Andrew Luck, who had the first overall pick in the draft. One of the best quarterback prospects to come out in, I you know, we, we could say since Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, probably. I'd say since Manning almost. Yeah. Um and and here he is retired at a young age because he has no fire left in him because for the majority of his career he was getting creamed. And that's not something that you want to happen to you, to your investment, to your team, to your franchise, to your fans. So for me, I'm looking at one of two players at four, and that is Jedrick Wills, the tackle out of Alabama. They have inside information from their new running backs coach, Burton Burks, who was at Alabama and should know the offensive line very, very well, and at least has connections to every coach and player there. Um, And if they believe that he can transition to left tackle, fine. 
then I think that's the guy from an all-around standpoint. If they don't think that he's going to make that transition very easily, then I think it has to be Andrew Thomas from Georgia. Already a left tackle, has played left tackle for a long time, has already played right tackle, so can switch back over there if necessary. Um, And while he doesn't have the highest ceiling of all the tackles, I think that he is the most consistent, he's the safest pick, and I think that he'll still be a Pro Bowl-level tackle, and I think you have to take that at this point for the Giants. So that's my pick. It's going to be one of those two guys based on their scouting report of Jedrick Wills. Uh, we're very close. We're very similar in thought process and our prediction. Uh, four is a tough spot to be in. You know, four is in that little tweener role between the obvious, you know, elite of the elites and, you know, the ability to move around. Uh, the only guy I see. On this board, you know, this is a pretty obvious thing where I don't even think about a trade. I'm taking him if he's available as Chase Young. And I don't – I really don't think he's going to drop. There's, there's a possibility. We've, we've talked about the different, uh, you know, trade possibilities that can happen and, and permutations where he does slip down to four. I think if he's four, you grab him. He's the only difference maker I see where, you know, you, you stay solid at four and you take him, no questions asked. I agree with you as well about trading down, but trading down at the right price. I don't think you panic to trade down just to trade down. Um, Yes, you want to acquire more assets and more draft picks, but you want to make sure you get the right value for what you are giving up. Um, I agree with you that uh, like an Andrew Thomas would be my pick. However, I don't think any of these tackles are – Super, super elite where they're going to be gone by pick four or five. I think you can trade down to get them. Correct. So I think that, you know, a Thomas could be around somewhere like eight or nine. You know, maybe that involves rolling the dice a little bit to, you know, if that's who you want, making that trade to get more picks and hoping he's still there. But again, if you're trading down to like nine and he's not there, you're still going to get an elite talent who's going to help your team. I think people fall into the trap when they're talking about the draft where, you know, I have my mindset on this one guy and everybody else is shit. Mm. Like people, you know, you see Jet fan or you see license plate guy with their you know, their pre-planned, you know, staged reactions of being super pissed off and shocked when it's a guy they didn't expect to happen. That doesn't mean you're not getting somebody who's an elite talent. You're talking about, you know, one of the of all the players playing college football who are seniors, you know, juniors, third year sophomores. You're going to get one of the top ten guys. They are going to help for your team unless they are a bust, and busts are pretty rare. More guys work out than completely bomb. So, I. I think it's worth it to roll the dice and to trade down to still get the Joe Thomas out there or an equivalent of him. Um, But to your point exactly, I'm not trading just to trade. I'm making sure it's worth my wild. If they decide to stay at four, then I don't know. I don't know what to do. I, you know, a guy like Thomas, it's kind of like talking about Daniel Jones last year, you know, People thought he would be around longer than they actually got him, but if you are 
If that guy's on your board and that's who you want, you take him, you worry about value later. You're comfortable that you got the guy you want. I, you know, if they end up getting Joe Thomas at four, fine. That's a position of extreme need that we need. We get him and we move on from there. We don't sit and double. Because I don't think there's any, you know, if we're at four and, you know, Chase Young is gone and it, it, the draft falls the way we think it is, you know, there could be second guessing, but there's no obvious second guesses out there. You know, Getting an offensive tackle is a never-go-wrong situation. It, it's, you know, yeah, and Isaiah Simmons may be out there. You know, a from uh, another cornerback or something. Yeah, they're all out there, but they're not incrementally, obviously better than what you need. So I don't see this as being a draft where you know I can really complain about who we take it for, unless it's somebody just completely off the board and off the. You know, that could have been had a lot, lot lower, like obviously a lot lower. So I think what they're going to do is I think they're going to trade down. I think they will. I think a lot of there's a lot of teams in play that want to make a deal. And we are not going to just jump at the first thing. That's foolish. You know, give Gettleman a little more credit than, you know, for everybody out there who thinks he never trades down. Everybody's quick to assume they'll jump at the first move. You know, it's one of the other guys. So I think he will drive a hard bargain, I think. I think we stay at four rather than take a bad deal, but I think there will be a good deal to be made. And I think we will move down somewhere to nine or ten, and I still think we get that tackle that we wanted on our board. So you think – so that's interesting. You think they will move down to that, that seven to ten range? Um, yes. So assuming then – so your, your assumption is that they'll move down and they'll have their eye on one of the four tackles that they, they really have their sights on or whatever. Um, I think all four are – there's not one that's head and shoulders above the other and there's not one that's a far notch below the other three. So I think they would be comfortable with any one of those four tackles. Um. There's been another report that uh, some people believe that upwards of six offensive tackles can be taken on the first night. Now let's just assume, or let's 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 play out a scenario where they've traded down and now all the four top offensive tackles are gone. Now that obviously means that a ton of other prospects have fallen. What are some interesting names that you could see them going? Like, is it is it strange to consider C.J. Henderson or something like that happening? No, I mean, again, this is a roster that, other than quarterback and running back, needs upgrades everywhere. Mm-hmm. And if it's not even at the starting level, they need to develop depth. And nobody we have really who's a starter right now. I mean, there's some guys with promise. There are young guys that, you know, yeah, we got some young quarterbacks who showed some things last year, showed some signs late after, you know, being poorly coached and just. No injuries and things, but CJ Henderson becomes your best cornerback on the roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all you think about. So? I think you. I don't think he comes over James Bradbury. Not in year one, anyway. Well, from from a talent level, I mean, not now with experience, but I think he would become uh, CB one pretty quickly. Okay. But but my point is that you know again, there's so many holes on this team. 
you know, starting level talent and depth talent that I think that anything is possible. If they, if you mean if they trade down to like twenty. Well, I mean now now you now you've got wide receivers in play, which I don't think Gettleman really likes to take wide receivers of of any level of talent in, until about the teens area anyway. Yeah. So. I I I don't think we would trade. I don't think we would dump that far down. I think. No, I think either. we would trade down. Maybe the lowest would be in the low teens, like you know, twelve, thirteen. Yeah. Um, I saw a mock draft. I think it was Pat Trina had it where. She did a mock where she traded with the Bucks down to 13 and got their first, second, third, and fourth round picks out of it. And I think they, I think we swapped threes with them or something. So that's a. And she said also that she had a comparable uh, offer from who was ever representing the Falcons too. Now that seems like a huge haul for a fourth pick. Yeah, I mean, I would think that a trade like that would only happen if if pick three is already in and there's a guy, a specific guy on the board, and when the Giants are on the clock, right? Right. So my, my thinking there is, I don't think you need to drop all the way to twenty. I think I so I think it will be still high, but again, if you're drafting, you know, with the fourteenth pick or the fifteenth pick or the twelfth pick, you're still getting elite talent at a position of need. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in one more thing here, um, for for the crowd that wants to acquire as many draft picks as possible. As somebody who's been looking at the draft, again amateur hour here. I'm not I'm not professional anything, but I've been looking at drafts like this uh, for Jesus Christ, almost uh, over ten years now, um, just of my own volition. This is not really a a, a very deep draft of talent. You know, this is not one of those ones where I can sit here and tell you like, wow, there's there's some real defensive end talent in round four even that can contribute. I really don't think that. I think wide receiver is one spot where you can get some guys later on that will contribute real well. But this is not one of the most talented classes in terms of depth. I think I think the early round talent is really truly there, but I don't think there's a whole lot of depth at any real serviceable position for the Giants. So to acquire a bunch of draft picks this year, I don't know that that really helps you so much. So if they're going to trade down very far, I would almost advise to try and get some 2021 draft picks out. Yeah, of it. you just I was just going to re- respond to you saying who said those draft picks have to be this year. Well, I, I just mean for the crowd that that thinks the ideal way to do this is to just get as many draft picks this year as possible. Well, there's other things too to consider like salary cap implications. You know, you all, this, all of a sudden if you're drafting 10, 11 people, you got to pay them all and that's going to eat into your cap as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you want to space out your rookies and your contracts so all of a sudden you have one year where you're losing everybody and you have to pay everybody too. So it might make sense to kind of roll those over into next year. So... But I, I think we are still in the throes of this rebuild where I think having more draft picks spread out either this year or next year or something is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. So No, no, no. I, I'm not trying to implicate that it's a bad thing. I just – you know, if if your immediate reaction is he got draft pick he, – he only got you know a third this year or a, a second round pick and he got some for next year. That's not good enough. You know, We should have gotten this, that, and the other thing or we need to trade down even further and get more draft picks – Getting a lot of draft picks this year is not going to yield sooner results. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people. I think it depends a lot on how you feel about Dave Gettleman. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, of course. And, and the 
the timeline you're giving Dave Gettleman to shit or get off the pot. I think if you're someone like us who is, you know, at worst neutral, at best think he can do the job, then I don't mind as much as well. Let's wait till you know use that pick next year. People who just want him out want the immediate results and say, you know, give me these picks or else he's gone. Like they're they're kind of done with him anyway. So I um, now I guess let's talk about what do we think the Giants will do? We made our decision. What we think what we think they should do? What do you think they will do? I I think that I'm prepared. I, I think they're going to try. I think they already are trying to trade down and find a good deal. I think that they're prepared to stand pat at four, and I will not at all be shocked if they stay at four and they make a pick. And I won't be shocked if it's either a tackle or Isaiah Simmons. Can we can we just rule out right now? We do not believe they're going to trade up. Yes, I can't. I can't really envision them trading up. I mean, do we think that you know? We we do not believe there's a scenario where he wants Chase Young at all costs, and he will trade up to get him. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I think that if Washington passes on him at two and he falls to number three, I don't see us moving up with the Lions to get Chase Young. No, I don't. I don't believe that the need for a pass rush is so irreparably, you know. Damaged that it's it's an at all costs kind of maneuver for Chase Young and, and quite frankly, even though I believe he's probably the most talented guy in this draft, I don't think he's Reggie White or Lawrence Taylor. You know, I agree. so I agree. I agree. Um, in terms of generational talent, I think he's a very, very good, very, very talented elite level prospect. But you know, not enough to. I mean, if well, if we were a playoff enough. team last year. Then maybe, thing. yeah, that's a different story. But I, I wouldn't alter the way we're going to build this roster for the this year and the next couple of years to get him. Now you can make that same argument. We did the same thing with Leonard Williams, mm-hmm. um, but the, the the price tag for him wasn't nearly as big as it will be to move up one spot to get him. Mm-hmm. I I am prepared to um, witness. Uh, a, a pick for somebody like Jedrick Wills at four. Um, and I think there's probably a decent chance, like a 35% chance that there's going to be a trade down to around, I would say probably more likely is going to be the six position, maybe. Um and uh, a tackle is probably still in play there, whether that be Andrew Thomas, Jedrick Wills, Makai Becton, Tristan Wirfs, any of those guys, I think is really in play there. Um, I'm about 65% sure it's going to be a tackle or Isaiah Simmons in general. I think they really have their, their sights set on that position group, whether they're picking it four or six, anywhere in that area. Yeah, I think... Gettleman's going to try to make a trade, but I think it's going to come out after the draft that his asking price for a trade was too high, and a trade is not done. And I think we will take Isaiah Simmons as well. Okay. I I think for this is my own opinion on his board. I think he has Isaiah Simmons very high, and I think he values him over what the tackles. That he can get it for, and I, and I don't think it's 
lack of trying for getting out of four to get down to a level where he can pick up one of the tackles, I think we're going to be stuck at four just because he, his value of four is higher than what his offers are going to be. And I think it takes Isaiah Simmons as well. But I think, but I definitely think it will come out that you will hear some, you know, unnamed source or unnamed GM said the asking price was too high. And here's something I'm okay with that too. You know, like to your point, I'd rather stick it for and get, you know, an elite, you know, a guy who could be a pro bowler or an all pro than, you know, not getting enough in return to drop out of that situation. So I am going to say this now. I think that there's going to be a slim chance that I'm going to be disappointed with the fourth overall pick. No matter who it is, I think I'm, there's a really slim chance that the pick is so wild that I'm, you know, going to have a negative take on it. I mean, I am going to be happy if it's Isaiah Simmons. I am going to be happy if it's Andrew Thomas. I'm going to be a little less happy if it's somebody like Mackay Becton. Um, you know, I, I'm for for anybody who's going to say that I'm I'm pro Gettleman. It's really not even that. It's just that they're. At, at four, it's just so hard to screw up. Um, and, you know, I guess I'll be pretty pissed maybe if Chase Young is on the board and we don't go for him. I guess that would that would upset me. Uh, again, it, it's going to depend on who I we think pick. there is no chance that happening. If he somehow drops the four, I think you will see a record amount of shortness of time for him to go up there and say the Giants take Chase Young. I would almost be weirded out. Like... <laughs> Maybe there's something wrong with Chase Young we don't know about, but it's happened before. Yeah, I mean these little you know these magic phone calls happen, but again I think that's one of the, the biggest positions of need on this team. And you know, if he's there, he's I the only think would really I don't think nothing would really upset me. I don't think I don't get I don't get emotionally invested in who I want them to pick, like some people do on Twitter well, because we don't know anything. Right, I mean, but you see it though. These people are like, if we don't get Isaiah Simmons, I am turning in my season tickets or some nonsense like that. I would be more disappointed if we are fortifying a position of strength, relative strength over a need. Like, you know, if we draft Derek Brown, I'd be a little disappointed. Not because he's not really good. It's just I. You are you're fortifying depth where I think the bigger needs right now is to get the initial talent for something. So if we drafted, you know, a defensive tackle, if we draft a cornerback, you know, with that fourth pick. With the fourth pick. Right. I would be a little like, well, I, I wouldn't be mad and pissed off. I'd be like, all right, well, I don't know if I would have done that, but I know I'm getting elite talent up there. Mm-hmm. So you were not going to be pissed. You're just going to be a little disappointed. Yeah, I'm going to be like, well, that's not what I would have done. But, you know, I'd be disappointed if we took somebody that everybody acknowledges was an extreme reach. Well, yeah. And not Daniel Jones reach. I'm talking, you know, somebody they thought was like a, a second round pick or lower gets the fourth pick. You know, something like, like, a, like, a, like an Aguayo pick or whatever. Yeah, if we're, if we're drafting kickers, I'm gonna be really, really annoyed. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it's going to take a lot for me to be disappointed if based on who we pick it for. I think I agree with you there. I also don't get I also don't get disappointed on draft night because who knows? Yeah. You know, you know, we we may end up getting Derek Brown and he becomes the best, you know, defensive tackle for, in the uh, in the division for the next decade. Then am I still disappointed? So I mean, it was like one of the arguments when when Jason Pierre-Paul was drafted. Yeah, I, I could I could really just do without another week of fuck Edelman. Oh, this team's God, a disaster because you know that's going to happen. So, um, last thing before we go, what is the pick that you think that will make the most Giant fans happy? Besides Chase Young falling to four, I I think I think you make more fans happy by taking Simmons. I think that's the name that people know more. I think that because he's the consensus number two prospect for defense, you know, besides maybe or maybe number three behind Okuda, um, I think he fits a big problem that the Giants have as a coverage linebacker, but can also do some other things. Versus, you know, the tackle class where nobody can seem to agree on which tackle is the best. You know, I think that makes the most fans happy because as far as I know, everybody I I interact with that thinks tackle should be the pick, I don't think any of them truly have a problem with Isaiah Simmons being the pick. I just think it's, you know, kind of how I view it where I just prioritize protecting my investments, not, you know, the other way around. So. Yeah, I, I think as a person, Isaiah Simmons is the one that makes most people happy. But I think if we draft a tackle more people will be happy. Does that makes sense? Like, you, you insert name for left tackle because I think they understand the need for... Yeah, I, I, I can the, get the, off, the offensive line has been a problem now for years. Mm-hmm. And it's been glaring both with the end of the Eli era, the beginning of the Daniel Jones era, the fumbling he has with the blindside hits, having to have Barkley. You know, we, we invested in a number two overall pick on Barkley. So I think that, like I said, you give me a, na- a specific name, it's Simmons. But if it's a left tackle, I think that does it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, just one last thing. I know we're all living on the internet right now as we're all stuck indoors, but spare me your reaction video. I don't care. Yeah, I, I know you've been practicing it for the last few months, everybody. I know, you know, license plate guy has been in his bunker with probably his, uh, you know, his crisis actor coach and everything. It's like, you know, something. We're living in a fucking pandemic pandemic right now, where, you know, eighteen thousand of our fellow New Yorkers have died. Don't give me the outrage because we didn't draft the guy you wanted drafted. It's going to come off as you know. It comes off as incredibly self-serving and ridiculous to begin with, but you know, for right well, I now, mean, if like sixty percent of you don't feel like you should eat crow based on your reaction for uh, for Daniel Jones based on the way he actually performed, and that doesn't make you want to do it, then just please do it for my sanity. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping one of the things that comes out of this whole uh, COVID situation we're in is that the era of the of the selfie, the, you know, everybody starring in their own reality show on, you know, Instagram and Facebook. I was hoping that that would kind of go away and this would be a good start is not having to see grown men teaching their eight-year-old kids how to cry because, you know, we didn't draft the left tackle. 
We in, in 18, 18 to twenty two year old was not selected in the proper it's order. Somebody you never heard of two months ago before you started talking about the draft. So can, can we can we can we please as a society take one small step for mankind, please? And with that, yeah, <laughs> it's to go to bed. Yeah. Um. We will see you on draft night. I will be live tweeting Thursday throughout the draft. Um, I might do a quick little reaction video to the pick or trade or whatever goes down that night with the Giants. I'm not going to do that with every pick, and I'm certainly not going to just do it for any bombshell thing that happens, just Giants-related. Um, but no guarantees on that. It's going to depend on uh, my mood. Yeah, uh, uh- but I will definitely live tweet through it. So, full. Dis- where where do you tweet at? Oh, um, at football underscore grump, where I tweet everything Giants related. Uh, full disclosure to all of you: uh, Thursday, I have to go in for a medical procedure. It is not COVID related, uh, and should be outpatient. I should be back home Thursday evening, um, but there is a chance that I may not be able to actually watch the draft live. So, if you do not see. Any reaction for me on Twitter at the Cranky Fan? No, I didn't. You know, kill myself because we didn't take a left tackle. It's just I may just be laid up a little bit, but I will be back on Friday. But hopefully, everything goes well. Nothing to worry about. Um, but I just I shall be fine. And as I remind everybody, make sure you're wearing your masks and your gloves and you're being smart out there. Just because. The jackasses in the South decide to open up tattoo parlors because they feel that is essential. Does not mean we should be all gathering around. So just keep doing what we're doing, and we'll get through this soon enough. Yeah, and if you're starting to die from boredom, just uh, be sure to follow the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, <laughs> Google Play, Spotify. There's tons and tons of episodes on there. And, and that if you will want finish to, you off. <laughs> yeah, I mean if you want to for an interesting experiment, you can go back to last year's draft and see how we reacted to the Daniel Jones thing. You know, you could even go back to Saquon Barkley. So there's there's tons of content there if you're truly, truly losing your mind with boredom. Yeah, back in the archives, I have my um, my reaction to taking Phil Sims back to yeah. 1979 too. So, spoiler, he was happy. <laughs> yeah. I had to look up where Moorhead State was, but after that, I was happy. Yeah, I still don't know. What is it, Kentucky? Kentucky. Oh wow, I did know that. I think nice. I asked you. Well, the one in fifty guess. So good, yeah, good job. <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll see you on draft night. Go, Go Giants. Giants.